Welcome to the Church Unlimited Sorry Podcast, where faith, community, and inspiration come together. We're delighted to have you with us today as we embark on this journey and explore timeless messages of love, hope, and faith. Don't forget to follow us and share with friends and family so you never miss an episode. Let's dive into this week's message. We're busy with, if you're visiting or been here first back from holidays, we're busy with a series calling The Church. And we're looking at different aspects. It's when you take a diamond and you turn it, it's got different facets. And likewise, the church too. Uh, we're looking at different, and I will look at part three in the series, Calling the Church. Now, I want to start off this morning to ask you, we all, all people are identified by certain names, features, descriptions, families, addresses, and even your fingerprint is unique to you. So let's say uh, your child is getting missing. I know not all of us is married and have children, but imagine your child is going missing and you're frantic. Maybe you go to the police or the security people at the mall and so on, please. And, and they said, but who, who is he? What does he look like? And you give some key descriptions, features of uh, this little girl of yours. Unfortunately, an hour or so later, they phoned you and said, no, find your girl. And as you walk up and you see, yeah, blonde hair, right height. And as you come close, all of a sudden you realize, but hang on, she's got blue eyes, but this is brown eyes. And her voice sounds a bit different. But you know, it's only two features. It's more or less, okay, I will grab her and go. <laughs> will, you, will you do that? <laughs> it sounds a bit crazy, but... I think certain dads will say, yeah, it's all right, man. I'm, I'm, I'm finished struggling to find my kid. But, but to be honest, uh, you will look for your child. Likewise, this is how God feels about his church. The church has got features, descriptive things. And God just, that's why we do the series. I was lost, but I was found. God is looking for a church that describes it in its beauty and its glory. And it's saddened for me that certain people just blatantly can speak about the church in such vicious and language that I cannot sometimes describe. So it's for me a joy to mo- this morning to look at the church and the cross and to see how that comes together. So it's always good to start with scripture to anchor us. So I'm going to look at three scriptures, start to work in it, and, uh, and then try to also just look at the cross itself. Because when I come to the cross, Jesus says, when you come to the cross, remember me. It's something of God that we need constantly to see in the cross. But I would like to see the relationship between the church and the cross. So in Acts 20, 28, First scripture, it says, keep watch over yourself and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the shepherds of the church of God. This is the key part, which he bought with his own blood. Acts 2 verse 42, they devoted themselves, not an afterthought, not maybe a devotion, themselves to the apostolic teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We see communion. Communion is about the cross. It's about his broken body and his blood. Devotion. 
It's not an afterthought. I just do it out of habit. It is something that is central in my being as a child of God. Then lastly, 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. A striking feature of the New Testament is this message that has been given concerning the cross and the church and how they have been joined together to combine, to combine into one by God as a gift of grace to a lost humanity. Through all the nations, tribes, people, languages, God has brought people. And through the cross, He established a new family. Scripture says it's the body of Christ, His chosen beloved people. The cross, without the cross, there will be no church. It is because of the cross we see the church arise. It is the redemption of people that God has redeemed and made his own and put in a family, into a body, to become a living being, growing, expanding, organic, constantly transforming and changing its environment because of the cross being central in their lives and what they do. The church is created, cleansed, and compelled by the cross. That is what we see over and over. It is interesting that Paul comes to the, the leaders. Two words being used, overseers and shepherds. It's the same name for the same people. It's just the work that they do. But he said to them, remember, Jesus brought with his own blood these people. It is not to play with. It is sad to say when, you, when he continues the context, he said, men will come like wolves and rip this church apart. But you must remember this body Jesus gave his life for. And you must protect it as far as possible with your own lives because his own life was given. And that mantle has been carried over to you. So it's this weighty thing. He's emphasizing the blood of Jesus. My question is, why the blood of Jesus? Why couldn't Jesus like a very familiar thing that happened in the marketplace. Maybe there was Ian there in the marketplace, sitting there, and they were buying him 5,000 rand, 10,000. And maybe Jesus comes and says, but I want to buy him. Nobody has got the resources like I've got. I will pay 100,000 for him. He didn't do so much sin. So 100,000, fine, I will grab him. Maybe auntie, a bit more naughty. Half a million. Yes, he, there's Marius. Five million. He has done a lot of sin. Jesus could have opted for that. Why didn't Jesus come and he paid with his own blood? Because this is what Paul emphasized to these people. He paid with his own blood. Yes, there could have been other means. But why his blood? Why does he come to these people? You know, it's only the blood that can buy back his family, his children. Money and anything else will buy slaves. But God is not interested in slaves. He wants to buy back that what belongs to him, his original plan, 
It's only by His blood that that can be achieved. Money can pay the debt, but money can never wash and cleanse a hard heart and a life full of filth. Only the blood can cleanse that. This in the blood alone is life. And Jesus has said he has come to bring us life and life in abundance. That's why he paid with his own blood. And that is the crux of the matter. It's by his blood that he established the eternal covenant that can never be undone between you and me to say it's sealed for eternity. That you can have peace in your heart. Can walk around to know eternity is sealed in my heart because Jesus has made an eternal covenant with me with his own blood. I never have to question that. Never have to doubt that. It can be settled in my heart and I can walk around in peace. Hebrews 11 speaks about Jesus' blood. Speaks a better word or speaks of better things. Jesus speaks on my behalf. Jesus stands up to speak louder and louder. It speaks on my behalf. It speaks in my defense. It shouts down the lies. But he speaks a better word that constantly set me free. Liberate me. Bring victory. He speaks of mercy and forgiveness and justice. He speaks for you in your defense every day. Before the Father, He speaks on your behalf. Even if you speak up, He will speak a better word over you. And lastly, His blood speaks of protection, healing, favor, grace, mercy. It's a word that speaks constantly as His blood calls out for you and me. That's why He had to pay with His own blood. It's interesting that that portion of scripture where Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he said, I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So surely Paul could have spoken a lot about other things too, and I think he did. But the context of Corinthians, it was really a church that was in a great mess. There was divisions, sexual immorality, people dishonoring the communion table. One brother take the other brother to court. There is disorderly worship. People use the gifts in horrific ways. And he comes and he starts to speak to them. And he said, Christ and Christ crucified. But the pressure was on because some of them said, but we want to hear more lofty wisdom. Bring us teachings that will take us to a new place. Because that's what the Greeks want to know. On the other side, the Jews came and say, we've got a history to show us that when God rocks up and he's for us, he shows us with power. The plagues, the Red Sea, the provision, the fire, the cloud, and so on. They said, we want more miracles, signs and wonders. So the pressure was on these guys saying, we want more. These guys say, we want more. And I believe that there was other groups to say, yes, we understand the cross, but surely there must be more. There is more lofty teachings. Let us go there. And in the process, they did get disconnected with the cross. 
and its meaning and his purpose to anchor us. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Why will Paul come to the Galatians and say, who bewitched you? That's strong language. Who bewitched you that you will turn back? Denying the cross and go to another place that's got no life, no purpose. And that's exactly what's happening with these people. Who bewitched you that you think there's more greater and lofty teachings and preachings, but you're denying the cross? You're denying the essence of who we are as God's people. The thing that makes us known and different from all others is a people redeemed. But if, if this happened with these churches, we are also cannot easily point fingers and say, we will not find ourselves in that space. We can easily drift, say it's an old message, it's a known message. We want something new. We want something fresh. The enemy will always try to say, but surely there must be more. But if we drift from this central theme of Christ being crucified, the cross and what it means to us, we're in great trouble. It's interesting that many of us would say, yes, as a sinner, I need the cross and the forgiveness of Christ. But can we continue to say as a saint, the cross is of less importance because now I'm saved. So the cross is to bring me into the kingdom. And that's a beautiful thing. But a saint, as well as a sinner, need the necessity of the cross that you need mercy, forgiveness, being set free. So the cross applies for all our lives. I can use almost the example. When you look at a, a, a guy learning to ride a bicycle, there's two essential things that he needs to learn. is to get the bike up and keep it up. <laughs> if we think of our faith of salvation, the first thing that is important is to get right with God, but then to continue to keep right with God. It's not just it happens once and now I'm up and then I'm going. It's continued to keep right with God. And that's where the cross is as effective as the day when I encountered him. And I need his forgiveness. I need his mercy. I need his grace. So we cannot make the cross less as. We run to the cross. The cross becomes so important that I find myself there. Cross say, uh, Paul constantly say, all that I want to know is the cross. Jesus. Because he knew that's where he will find more life more purpose, more power, more of the things that he prays for is at the cross. Because there's the divine exchange where you take a, a sinner and makes him a saint, an enemy and you make him a friend. Where somebody that's powerless is full of power. That's happening at the cross. And that's why Paul is so passionate. And he gets so frustrated when people just say, the cross is something of an old thing. He said, the cross is such importance for us as God's people. And church, let the cross be central in my life and in, in the church's life. That's the importance. It's interesting that we find these following languages that it says, we have been saved. You are being saved. And you will be saved. You say, ah, this guy is confused. I mean, when am I saved and when I'm not saved, what's going on? But let me give you that in context. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. That has happened. Praise God. That is justification. But currently, in the present, we are being saved from the power 
of sin. Not the penalty of sin, the power of sin. And that is sanctification. And glorious into the future, we will be saved from the presence of sin. That is glorification. One day, we will get a new body. Everything will be made new. And the most beautiful thing is, no more sin. No more sin. And I'm looking forward to that day where we will celebrate what the Lamb has done for us. And you know that Lamb, in Revelations it says, the Lamb that was slain sits on that throne. We will constantly remember the Lamb that was slain for me, that I can stand here with a new body, with the people of God, celebrating what He's done for us. It will be always before us. And Paul said, be careful when that picture becomes dim and you start to chase after all sorts of other things. That's a dangerous thing. So church, there's a great responsibility for us to rejoice in the cross, to carry the message of the cross, the blood of Jesus and what he's done. When we use communion, it's the most beautiful thing. It calls us to that place to remember past, present, and future. Let me just take a few moments to say, let us look at the cross itself. Because in the cross, we see truly the character of God being revealed. Somebody said, when you put something under pressure, you will really see what is there, what is being made of. And the cross was a pressure point of, of proportions that we cannot describe. And what was revealed? So two things that stands out that I would like to look at is from out of Ephesians 2 verse 8. It says the following, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Humility. That is the first thing that we see being presented to us as a church and as a people to see this great king from the highest of thrones to the lowest of low. That's humility. Laying down his throne, laying down his glory, laying down his splendor, becoming in a human appearance. It's a constant laying down and humble himself, meek, and saying, I'm here to serve you. The beauty of me serving you, life. The beauty of me presenting to you another way, a new way. I praise God for his humility that he constantly presents to us. Many people will say humility, what, what the form of power? Can I say it's a powerful demonstration of the power of God that God can say, I'm prepared to wash your feet. God says if you want to be great, if you want to truly display power, Wash one another's feet. Become humble. A humble and a contrite heart. In that, God takes pleasure. Stands in uh, Chronicles. There's something that draws the heart of God. is when he sees humility in his, in his people. Where they follow what he has done. They say, Lord, this is what you've done for me. Surely I can do it for others. Surely what I've received, I can give. What you have given in proportions, I stand amazed, but I stand also with the true fact of what I've received, I must bring. 
What does humility look like? That's the challenge before us. Because the features that God is looking in His church is be a humble people. A people that is willing to wash one another's feet. Because there's great diversity in this church. People have walked through things of brokenness. Their feet are bleeding. There's fawns. It smells. It's like the prodigal son coming home. He looks like a pig. He smells like a pig. Everything about him was pig-like. The father comes and he hugs him and he kisses him. So glad he's home. Is this the church that C.U. Sabi is known for? In humility, knowing that was what I was. Once I was lost, but now I'm fine. You're welcome, brother, in your state. I'm glad you're home. That is what Jesus has done for me. Surely I can do it for a brother because I know where I come from. Humility. Praise God for that. The second thing that I would like to look at when we look at the cross, it comes from Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Demonstrates. Man, when I look at that word, it just sounds like abundance, an overflow, a generosity beyond understanding. He demonstrates. He's not just word. He's not just coming to appease us with words and things. He comes personally and demonstrates it. Show it in its biggest degree. For all to see. Because God is on display. And he wants the world to see what a savior looks like. The goodness of God comes in his love. Being demonstrated to sinners. Now we know that word sinners has got degrees to it. And Jesus, even towards that moment of the cross... There was uh, quite a variety of people that we will say, to show them love, never. The guy that betrayed him, Jesus sitting with him, breaking bread, have covenant. You know, that's deep language for a Jewish man. When you do covenant, it's one of the most deepest forms of relationship. Jesus sitting with him, breaking bread, having covenant knew him potentially what he will do, but he still loves him. He still walks with him till the end. You have to make a choice, but I will love you until the end. The betrayer, the denier, Peter, this guy that was competitive, superior, looking on. Me, I will never fail you. And he was competing like hell. Who's the important one and this and that? We all know them all. They're in our midst. Will you love them? That guy that competes with you, looking down on you, don't give you a chance. That boss, will you love him? Because that is what I received. Please give it back to them, Morris. I will help you. Because that's what the cross has done. We look at Pilate. Had all the power to set him free. But he was a man pleaser. Compromise. Stepping out of what he was supposed to do. Who's the man pleases around us to, and we've been affected by that. They please men, and many people are being affected by that. We see the religious council, the hypocrites, the manipulators. We talk about these people, and many times when I look at them, I see myself. 
then I realize I need to cross over and over. I deny. I manipulate. We think of the Roman soldiers, forms of agony that they cause people. It's sad for me, but it's a reality because that's who we are. Our Christians can hurt one another and the degrees that they are willing to go. It's sad for me, but it's happening. But yet God says, love them. Love them. I mean, Auntie and myself, unfortunately, we started this year with, with six or seven marriages that is in deep, deep trouble. But I was highly, highly being challenged by two of the ladies. Just the humility and their love for their husbands because moments before, especially in the one case, moments before she realized and heard that her husband has been in an affair and he's in the hospital due to certain circumstances and she had to clean him and wash his feet. And she said, Lord, I cannot. It's not possible. But yet she said, when I come to the cross, Lord, it's not my will, it's your will. Help me when I come to this cross to realize I've got a will and I can pass it by, but I want to do your will. An amazing, amazing, powerful testimony. She said as he starts to wash his feet, she felt like Jesus just behind her, just embraced her. It was so profound to look at her face, to look at how she shares that testimony that I was blown over. We looked at one another afterwards and said, geez, I don't know if we could have done it, but it's just people coming to the cross and to say, Lord, my will I lay down. When I take up your will, you enable me to be humble, full of your love, fulfilling what you've called me for, beyond my understanding. But you call me to that place. That is the love of God displayed for the worst of sinners, for me, for you, constantly. I want to close with 1 John 4, 11 to 12. He says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. The cross fills Christian with greater love for God and for each other. 1 John 3.16 says the following, We know love by this, that he has laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. The moment I come to that cross, I lay it down. I empty myself so that he can fill me. The moment I don't empty myself, I'm full of myself, but empty of him. It's easy to say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Come to the cross. Lay it down so I can give you all that you need. But we come sometimes in proud and arrogance and say, we don't want to. That lady said, I cannot, Lord, but I come to the cross. I lay it down. I empty myself. Thank you. I can fill you. I can fill you. I can fill you. He wants to fill us. That I'm for sure. But it comes at a cross, a cross point in my life to say, I come to the cross and I give it. The cross fixes a Christian, a hatred and disdain for sin. When I consider what he's done for me on the cross, 
I see sin in its truer sense. And I can never find merits for it. It's a radical thing that I need to work out and get out. Out of my own life. Because his own blood in his own life. Lastly, the cross compels Christians to give themselves completely to Christ's mission. Paul says, That by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me did not prove in vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. So this morning, I just want to put before you again the cross and all that it represents. I just took a snippet, but I want you to go back and see what Scripture is calling us as a church. This series is not just something as a tick box. It's something that God is calling us to say, this is my picture. This is my dream for see you, Sabi. I want you to rise to that potential. We really want to impact this town, this province, this nations and the nations. I want to hold before you this picture because you can become that. And this is what I, I trust and believe. What is happening in your own heart. Just lifting the cross of Jesus before you. And you come to him. I just want to create a moment. I was thinking of that song of Chris Tomlinson that says, At the cross, at the cross, I surrender it all. And I stand in awe of you. I stand in awe of you. I just want to ask you this morning, what do you need to surrender? What do you hold on? What do you need to surrender? I cannot decide that for you. I'm not going to manipulate. But if there's things in your life that you know, Lord, I need to come and surrender. Lay it down. Give it to you. Because I need you. I need you more than ever before. Just want to create a moment and then I pray for us. But come to the cross. Whatever you want to surrender, it's up to you. Give a minute or so and then I pray for us. Yeah, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your heart for us this morning. Thank you for displaying and reminding us afresh of what you have done to the extent that you have reached to come to each one of us. We were lost, broken, in deep despair. We are on death row. But as your word says, you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, into your marvelous presence. Lord, thank you that we can stand this morning as, as your people in your presence, blood washed, people of God. May we see afresh what you've done for us, Lord. May it deeply touch us. 
May deepest bring us again freshly to the cross. That we can empty ourselves, give ourselves to you afresh, lay it all down, all our potential, all our gifts, who we are, what we come from. We lay it down because you are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. And we come to you afresh and say, here we are, Lord, in the beginning of the year. See you, Sabi. Here it is in your hands, Lord. We lay it at your feet. We lay it at the cross. And as we lay it, Lord, thank you for the promise that you will fill. You will fill us with your love. Fill us with your peace. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with every good thing that we need to complete your mandate and your call and your purposes for us as individuals, but also for us as a church, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to follow our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to ensure you never miss an episode. Your support means the world to us. And if you enjoyed today's message, please consider sharing it with your friends and family.